I want to continue on with Malachi this morning. Malachi chapter 2. Malachi 2, and we read from verse 10. Malachi 2, verse 10. Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange God. The Lord will cut off the man that doeth this, the master and the scholar out of the tabernacles of Jacob, and him that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. And this have ye done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with crying out, insomuch that he regarded not the offering any more, or receiveth it with good will at your hand. Yet ye say, Wherefore? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and thy wife and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet she is thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed? Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit, that ye deal not treacherously. Ye have wearied the Lord with your words, yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, Every one that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or, Where is the God of judgment? Let's just pray. O oh God our Father, we pray that you will bless your word to us, and we pray that you will just help us to, to study this this morning and to learn more about how we can please you to follow you closely and to do your will every day in our lives through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go on to the accusations that God is making here. God is making accusations against... Last week we looked at the accusations he made against the priests and now he comes to, to make these accusations against the people. The priests had been offering or allowing people to bring offerings which were displeasing to God, the lame animals, the, the, the animals which the sacrifices which weren't costing anything, and which were against the law in Leviticus. But now he comes Malachi with the word of the Lord and he's saying, I'm going to change it now to the people, the rest of the people who had displeased God. And he says, have we not all one Father? And he was going back, looking back to Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6 there, where it says, 
a son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? God was their father. God was the, the, the God who had chosen Israel. He's talking mainly here to the Jews as a nation. God had chosen them. And he says, I, you know, I not, am I not the one that chose you? And yet, you have strayed away. He might have been thinking perhaps that, uh, some people think maybe perhaps it's talking about Adam. You know, are we not all one father? And in, and in Acts it says, Hath not hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the, all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. You know, there's, there's a unity and mankind were all of the same blood, black and white. We used to sing that chorus, Jesus died for all the children, all the children in the world, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. God hath made of one blood all nations of the earth. And then perhaps it was because Abraham was their father. In, in John 8 and verse 39, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. And they answered him and said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's children, you would do what Abraham did. The people had strayed away in the time when Jesus walked on the earth. He, he said they weren't following what Abraham was told to do. And here the Jews, perhaps, they were all descended from Abraham. God was their father. But you know, it struck me actually when I was, when I was doing this, a, a question perhaps. Is God everybody's father? I wasn't too sure how to spell everybody's actually. Is God everybody's father? And that's what we're sort of told every day sort of by people. Well, God is the father of everybody. But you know, there are verses in scripture which I, I, I looked up. And Jesus was talking again in John chapter 8 and verse 44. And he said to these people who had been querying him and saying that they, God was their father and Abraham was their father. He said, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. That was quite a, a, a dramatic thing to say to these Pharisees, wasn't it? You are of your father, the devil. And you're doing what your father wants you to do. First John 3 and verse 10 it says, But this it may be seen, who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. And Jesus said in Luke, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Until we come into a living relationship with God, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And then we become children of God when we are adopted into the family of God and we call him Abba Father. We were going to sing that chorus this morning. We, we lifted it out, left it out, unfortunately. Abba Father. We can come and call God our Father. But until then, Jesus says here, these people, they were children of the devil. People don't like to be considered children of the devil. These Pharisees took great exception to it. Eventually, 
they, they had Jesus crucified because of these things which he said to them. But until we come into a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it is only then that we can call God our Father. Because Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. I remember Rosemary was talking to some Jewish friends of hers, and they didn't like being said, being told that they were sinners. You know, Rosemary had brought to their attention Isaiah 53. You know, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one. It was in, in their Old Testament, in their own teachings. But one particular girl, she took such exception to it, she really took a long, many years before we ever had contact with her again. Because she didn't believe she was a sinner. We had a chap in the shop the other day, we thought he might have been here this morning. And he started talking, and he said, I don't sin. You know, I, I never sin. We discovered afterwards he's a Hindu or somebody. He spoke away. Uh, for a long, long time, giving the impression that he believed in Jesus and all, but his, his attitude was he didn't sin. He didn't sin. Incredible to hear somebody saying that. The fact that he said it was, <laughs> was a sin, probably. But it just shows you, people don't like to think that they are sinners. But Jesus told these people, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. And that's why the world is in such a bad state. Because people are doing the will of their father. And their father is the devil. God is not everyone's father until they come. They cannot call God father until they come into a, a family relationship with him. And you know, we looked at Noah ages ago. We looked at the, the story of Noah. And the people who were saved in the ark were those who had a family relationship. They, they had a family relationship. We saw that. And it's only those who, are, who, are, who will be saved and will go to eternal bliss with God and the Lord Jesus Christ are those who come into a family relationship with Him and can call Him Abba, Father. Then he goes on to say, Hath not one God created us? And why do we deal treacherously every man with his brother? Referring back to the fact that in verse 9 he was saying the trouble with the priests was that they were partial. They were distinguishing between people. They were uh, saying that some people were worthy of this and other people were not worthy of it. They were being partial. And it's saying it here again, you're dealing treacherously every man, referring back to that. And we are all equal in God's sight. But you see, it says that they went against the covenant of their fathers. And if you look back in Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 19. We have a verse which we probably looked at last week. 19 verse 15. And ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, 
nor honour the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbour. And these people had broken that covenant. They'd broken that covenant with, that God had with them in the law that was given at Sinai. And he says, that law said that you should not deal treacherously with your neighbour. Don't treat them partially. Don't treat them faithlessly. In verse 11, he goes on to say about treacherously. And treacherously is faithlessly. You, you, you don't put trust in them. And it says that Judah hath dealt treacherously. Judah hath profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves. The holiness of the Lord by marrying a daughter of a foreign god. And staying back with Leviticus again. Look back at Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus 18 and verse 24. And a few verses there. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these things the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. You see, God was saying to the people, you know, you're going to go in and you're going to dwell in this land, but don't, the reason I cast out these people before you, in front of you, was because they defiled themselves. And he's saying, don't do the same. And the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity, therefore upon it. And the land itself vomited out her inhabitants. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled. And the land spew not you out also, when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. And whoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them, shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance, that ye commit not any of these abominable customs, which were committed before you, and that ye defile not yourselves. Therein I am the Lord your God. You know, we could never say, Israel could never say to God that he didn't warn them. He constantly and constantly warned them what would happen to them. And it did every time. It turned out what God said he would do. And here he said again, I warned you, and what have you done? You've married a strange, the daughter of a strange God. They had mixed the profane and the holy. And you know, that's what's happening in our land. I, I had a few things here, which, to show you how our, our land and how the world is going, it's, it's amazing. Uh, in Austria, the parliament has passed a law which enables the state to reduce the current number of recognized religions from 12 to 4. Now a religious community can only acquire legal status after a period of six months following the filing of its application and if it numbers at least 300 members. In Macedonia, 
Freedom of worship has been limited to Orthodox, Catholic and Muslim faiths. In Britain, a recent article in The Guardian by Chris Bryant, chair of the Christian Socialist Movement, confirms Blair, Blair requires, believes in the establishment of the church, seeing as it as a bulwark against the fundamentalism of Christians who go into a holy huddle. He has also said that the Church of England will never be disestablished under him. And then further on, chap uh, Stuart Bell, he's the second Church of States commissioner, speaking at a general synod meeting, Bell said, referring to Prince Charles, he said, divorce is a matter for him, not for anybody else. It is not a matter for the church, whether he is defender of the faith or not. He will be supreme governor because he is king. The church will not, in my view, concern itself with the fact that he is divorced. Tony Blair is a modernizer. And it goes on to say, the church, in other words, is seen as a useful instrument in Blair's modernizing mission. And under European Convention on Human Rights, the, the church could be compelled, for example, to marry gay couples, church schools to employ non-Christian teachers, or hospices to accept literature advocating euthanasia. Amazing. It's all happening under our noses and we don't realize that we are mixing the, the holy with the profane. And that's because we have compromised again and again and again. And what does God say? The Lord will cut off the man that doeth this. That's what was going to happen to these people who disobeyed God. He said, I'm going to cut you off. Cut you off. And he did. And it was everybody. It was the man, if you read in verse 12, it says, I will cut off the man that doeth the things, and also, in the last bit of the verse, him that offereth the offering. Everybody, the priest who, who, who offered the offering, and the man who, who brought the, the, the sacrifice and mixed his, his religion with other gods and strange gods, he said, I'm going to cut you off. Because they had broken the covenant that God had made. That's what the whole thing was about. God said that you had a covenant with me, and you've broken that. And in, in Hosea chapter 3 verse 4, it says this, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without, without an ephod, and without teraphim. And that has happened. You know, the nation of Israel, for until 1948, didn't have a nation even. God's word always comes true. It's interesting actually that the same word there for cutting off and, and, and hewing down and all the rest of it is the same word which they use for making a covenant. There was an expression, cutting a covenant. And we have to look at how a covenant was made in the olden days. We have a, a new covenant with God. God has given us a new covenant. And that covenant was in the blood of Jesus. We have communion and we, we remember the new covenant in my blood, Jesus said. When, when Jesus died upon the cross, he, he made a new agreement with us. 
and that agreement was in his blood. But when they made a covenant in the olden days, if you look at Jeremiah chapter 34, 34 and verse 15, And ye were now turned, and hath done right in my sight, in proclaiming liberty every man to his neighbor. And ye had made a covenant before in the house which is called by my name. But ye turned and polluted my name, and caused every man his servant, and every man his handmaid, whom he had set at liberty at their pleasure, to return, and brought them into subjection, to be unto you for servants and for handmaids. Thus saith the Lord, Ye have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty, every one to his brother, and every man to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim a liberty for you, saith the Lord, to the sword, and to the pestilence, and to the famine, and I will make you to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. Here it was again, the people had sinned, and God said, yes, I'll, I'm going to give you liberty of the sword and to the pestilence, and you're going to be removed to all the kingdoms of the earth. And I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me, when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the parts thereof. The princes of Judah and the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs and the priests and all the people of the land, which pass between the parts of the calf, I will even give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of them that seek their life, and, into, and their dead bodies shall be for meat unto the fowls of the heaven and to the beasts of the earth. That was pretty strong stuff, wasn't it? What was going to happen to these people? Because they had broken the covenant that they had made with God. And when they made a covenant, they, they got the calf that was to be sacrificed and they divided it. And they, they put the two halves, and the people walked between the two parts. That's why they called it the cutting of a covenant. They cut the animal in two, and the two parts, and they walked between the two parts. And they, that was the way they, they performed the covenant. And interestingly enough, apparently, it was in other religions around that time, they copied what the, the Jewish nation used to do. And this is what these people, that's what they're saying, they that they had broken their covenant with God. And we, when we became Christians, we made a covenant with God to uphold his word, to, to, to preach the gospel, to do his will in our lives. Have we broken our covenant? It's interesting that when, way back in Genesis 15, I think it is, Abraham made a, a covenant with God. Or God made a covenant with Abraham. That's what it was. And God told him to divide these pieces. And God passed between the two pieces. But we don't read that Abraham, he didn't go between the pieces. Because God knew that the Jewish nation would break their covenant. May we be people who will keep the covenant. Not like these people in Malachi. Not like the people in Jeremiah. Who, whom God proclaimed was, the horrible things were going to happen. The nation was going to be split up. They were going to spread around the world as happened to the Jewish nation. 
It's only in 1948 that they came, they started coming back again. And in Genesis 15, I have it there, I didn't realize I have it. Abraham didn't walk with him. He, he, God knew that those people were not going to keep that covenant. May we, through the grace of God, keep any covenant we have made with him. Don't break our word to God. Treat God seriously. These people in Malachi, they didn't preach to treat God seriously. And, and you've done it again, he says, and you've done again. And because they had left their wives and they had married foreign wives and things, their true wives were causing the altar to, to weep at the altar of God. They were crying out that the people had, had left, had been left by their husbands. And it was true of the nation of Israel. They had forsaken God. They had forsaken their first love. And they had gone after strange wives. Their wives that they had left were covering the altar with, with tears. So God, God regarded not the offering. When they had broken their covenant, when they had broken their agreement that they had made with God, God said, because of that, I don't regard, I don't regard your offering anymore. I don't respect it. It's as if you hadn't made it. And that verse in Psalm 66, verse 18 If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Why does God sometimes not seem to hear us? Well, there's the answer. That's one of the answers, perhaps. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. We have to come before him with clear how If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then we can come and bring our offering and our sacrifice. But if we come with iniquity in our hearts, as these people tried to do, they brought these offerings to the Lord, and they said then, Wherefore, wherefore hath the Lord, wherefore, why, why, why do you not listen to us? Why, why are you not answering our requests? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth they had broken that contract which God had been witness to verse 15 and did not he make one this is a going back God's ideal God's ideal was that Adam should have one wife God hated divorce, he says. God's ideal was for one man and one woman in marriage. And they had broken all this. They had polluted the godly seed which should have been produced. And then he says, take heed to your spirit, to your affections, that they do not go after other women and be led thereby to take them in marriage and to despise the divorce and divorce the lawful wife as it follows and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth 
we have come into a living relationship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not go after strange gods. Let us not stray from the path of truth and righteousness. God doesn't want us to go after strange gods. He wants us to stay close to him, to worship him. And because disaster follows if we go after strange gods. God won't have us. He says he'll put us away. He'll cut us off. You know, one guy I was listening to, I've said it before, he was an Australian fellow who came to Spree. That's going back a long, long time. Spree. 90, is it 66 or 69? <laughs> it was a long time ago. But one of the things he said, I think it was very good, God will just put you up on the shelf. He won't, he won't, he won't deal with you. And he says, there's plenty of room up there. He says, you just push the person along who's sitting up there beside you. God won't work in your life if we go after strange gods. And there are so many people like that in the world. People who were alive for the Lord and then they, they've cooled off. They've gone astray. God will put you up on the shelf. You won't be any use to him in your life. He'll cut you off. Let's see if we can finish off this just. For the Lord... God of Israel, verse 16, it says, he hated putting away. He hated people who go away after other gods. Take heed to your spirit. I thought that was an interesting expression. Take heed to your spirit. You know, we take heed to our, our, our cars. We take heed to our, our health. We take heed... We take out insurance in case we have accidents. We take out insurance in case the house goes on fire. Or, or, or our health insurance. What does the Bible say? Take heed to your spirit. That's more important. Take heed to our spirits. That is what counts for all eternity. Are we taking heed to our spiritual welfare as much as we are, are taking heed to our temporal needs? And we'll finish verse 16, 17. I think we'll get that through. If you would bear with me just while we get it finished. Verse 17. God says, you've wearied me. You've wearied me with your words. You have wearied the Lord with your words. And in Psalm 95 it says, For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who err in heart. They do not regard my ways. Wouldn't it be terrible if God could say that about us? I, I, he said, I loathe that generation. There's strong words in Psalm 95. They are a people who err in heart and do not regard my ways. In Isaiah he said, your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. And yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? 
wherein have we wearied him? Isn't it amazing that people will still, no matter what you point out to them, will always try and put up an argument. Psalm 73. And verses 3 to 4. Well, we can't read all those. We'll, we'll read some of them. <coughs> Psalm 73. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And there was no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly. Concerning oppression they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How does God know how is their knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world, and they increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. And so on. They, they kept saying these people who were, God doesn't know. How does God know? Wherein have we, wherein have we wearied him? Because we have broken the covenant. And you know, it's, where is the God of judgment? Whereas in Ecclesiastes it says, because sentence against an evil deed is not ex executed speedily, the heart of the sons of men is fully set to do evil. You know, we don't see God maybe punishing as he did in the Old Testament, but that doesn't mean God won't execute judgment. And in Ezekiel, it says, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark? Every man in his room of pictures. For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Oh, it's so easy to, to have that attitude. And I thought, just and finally, in Second Peter, there's a, when they're talking about the coming of the Lord, He's going to come, and the mockers say, and you'll get this every day. We talk about the, the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is the promise of his coming? Because from the beginning, people have been saying this for years and years and years. Where is he? But that verse in Ecclesiastes is very opposite. Because sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the sons of men is fully set to do evil. God will execute judgment on this world. And it is up to us who have been saved by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus to make sure that we keep ourselves pure.
we keep ourselves holy, that we keep ourselves in the knowledge and love of God, and that we keep ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit witnessing day by day to these people who, who don't think the world is going to be punished, who don't think that they are facing a lost eternity, that we don't go after strange gods as these Israelites have done and displease God, but that we follow close by day by day and, and that we may be pure and holy. Let's just pray. O oh God our Father, we pray as we look at the stories here in Malachi and how your people displeased you, how they went after foreign gods, how they left their first love. O oh God, we pray that you will help us each one to follow closely day by day. May your Holy Spirit just fill us afresh this morning. Jew us with that power and that love for, for those around us who are going to a lost eternity. May we daily witness for you and show your, your, by our lives that we belong to you. Keep us, Lord, in the knowledge and love of God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.